We've been in a series, this is kind of our final week, I think it's our fifth week. We've been looking at this incredible reality, we're going to wrap it up this today, of what happens when you give your life to Jesus, when God actually takes His Spirit, His presence, and He moves inside of you and me. And it's this remarkable, yet sometimes hard to understand and complex, but beautiful thing that God's like, hey, when you give your life to me, I take my spirit, I move him inside of you, so you're now a walking, breather temple of the Holy Spirit. That you have this relationship, this bond with God that is so powerful and so amazing that Jesus actually told us it is better, that, that it is better to have the Spirit of God in you than have me walk alongside you. That's how powerful. And so what we've been doing over these four weeks has really been looking at all of the things that God does when he moves in you. Like, why did he move in? What is the role that God wants to play in you uh, in your life? And what can you do to experience this more of God? And so in this series, we looked at three main things that God wants to do inside of you. Like, why in the world is literally the Holy Spirit in bodily form moved inside of you. And so what we looked at is that we looked at this, is that God wants to help you with transformational power. That the heart of God is that when he moves in, that his characteristics actually move inside of you. His joy, his love, his peace, his kindness, his goodness, his patience, and lastly, his self-control or power to overcome things. And I love this because God's saying, you don't have to try harder to be good. Instead, what you have to do is surrender more to me and I will transform you from the inside out. In many ways, it's the opposite of what so much religion actually brings, which is you follow a bunch of rules to be transformed. No, God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to move inside of you and give you the power to actually be transformed. We looked at spiritual authority, that you're actually engaged in a spiritual battle. And whether we realize it or not, uh, you are not alone. There are angels, there are demons, there's a spiritual battle and a war, and we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we are actually engaged in, in our thoughts, in our relationships, in our emotions, a battle with spiritual forces. And these spiritual forces, we have no power or authority over them because they are stronger than us. And this is why God moved in because God is greater than him. And so the spirit that lives in you is greater than the spirit that's in the world. And so you now have authority over the enemy. You are not a victim. You are not powerless. He must obey you, not because of you, but because of the God in you. And so God moved in to give you transformational power. He moved in to give you spiritual authority over your enemy so you can break free of all these attacks. And lastly, we looked at how God wanted to give you supernatural gifts. That, 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 that when God moved in, he didn't just like want to change you, he didn't give you authority alone, but he brought some of his supernatural abilities, the ability to know certain things and special wisdom. We look at 16 different gifts that God imparts inside of us to help us serve other people and to thrive in this life, in this world. And so we kind of looked at, okay, here's why God moved in, here's what he wants to do. This is why this is so important, to give your life to Jesus, because if you haven't done this, then the Spirit of God doesn't move in you until after you've made Jesus your Lord and your Savior. But then we looked at, uh, last week you looked at, okay, this is all that God is doing, and that's awesome, and that's good, but why is it that so many Christians have the Spirit of God in them, but don't walk in authority, don't experience supernatural gifts, and haven't been transformed? In other words, why do we so see so many Christians that don't live and love like Jesus? And so we looked at the, the reality that God actually tells you there's two things that you really got to do to experience, if you 
will, everything that God wants to do in you through His Spirit. And the first part we looked at is you got to choose to fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. The verse is be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, there are things that you do that you can consume more of God. And you have to make the choice to do it. Remember, it's your part. And so you've got to choose. We looked at the three things. It was about God's Word, the Bible. Why? Because all Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So when you're consuming God's Word, in essence, you're engaging in a relationship. You're tuning into God. You're consuming God. You're being filled with the Spirit. We looked at worship, and we also looked at prayer. And we looked at as we make the choice to do these things in our lives, we're actually putting our mind and our souls and our hearts in a place where God is pouring Himself out so we can be filled with His Spirit and walk in greater power and authority. That's one of the things. The second thing that we've got to do is we need to choose to let the Holy Spirit lead your life is that when God moves in, now there's God's will and there's your will. And you've got to make the decision to go, okay, God, now that you're in, I'm going to let you lead my life. I'm going to do what your word says, and I'm going to go where your spirit leads. And you have to let God win the battle between what you want and what he wants. And this is the choice. And we looked at the verse. You have to choose to let the Holy Spirit guide your life. In other words, these choices, and to the level you make these choices, the level you're going to experience this. And if you missed any of these, I just encourage you, it's so important, go back and listen to them. Go to our website, you go to our YouTube channel, whatever, and watch these, because we really walk through all of these things, God's part and your part and all the things that He wants to do. But today what I want to do is I want to wrap up this series. And I, and I wanted to look at something that I was just been really thinking about a lot through this process, and that's this. I wanted to look at um, an aspect of your relationship with God that has nothing to do with your performance. And what I mean is that so often we've been looking at this series is, okay, here's what God's going to do and how God's going to perform in your life. He's going to do this, 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 and this. Oh, but here's what you've got to do. And so, so much of this relationship has been about what you do and what God does and it's performance. And today what I want to do is I want to look a little bit about your relationship with God that has nothing to do with performance. Have you ever stopped to think, by the way, that when it comes to your life, that almost every relationship that you're in is connected to performance? Did you know that? Like, so you, you work at a company, and they may love you and, and, like, give you gifts and give you awards, but at the end of the day, what is that connected to? Your performance, right? We look at sports stars. You ever notice how some of these sports stars are like the heroes of the cities? There's banners flying. They have a bad few games, and they're like, fire them, <laughs> cut them, trade them. Well, it's performance, isn't it? And we look at even, so often even relationships, whether it's marriage or not, it's like, hey, as long as you're doing your part, then I feel good and I'll do my part. And when you're doing your part, then, then I'll do my part. And, and there's kind of idea that almost every relationship, maybe except a parent and a child, almost every single relationship you'll ever be in your life is actually conditional on performance. The other thing that I want us to understand about relationships is this is a lot of relationships in our life, listen to this, they're not just about performance, but they're also temporary. I think the older I get, the more I realize that, that there are seasons in your life that you know that a lot of people in your life today won't be in your life 10 years from now, right? Like you realize that even though as much as you love people and enjoy relationships, so often those relationships can be temporary. And they can be temporary because somebody moves. I mean, that happens. They can be temporary because there's a fight that takes place. They can be temporary because, once again, people uh, pass away. This life isn't eternal, right? And so they were in your life, and you've lost a loved one. And so as we walk through life, here's what I want you to see. 
We are conditioned to begin to understand that so many relationships are conditional how we behave and they're temporary because one day they're gonna be gone. And what I want us to understand today is that the Holy Spirit is neither of those two things. And what you're gonna learn today is so powerful because if you ever are like me and you're not perfect, anybody here not perfect? I'm just curious. Some of you didn't raise your hand, you just lied. So now you can raise your hand because you're a liar and not perfect. There you go, love you. But for any of you who don't always perform or always get it right, I want you to understand something so powerful of the significance of what God did by putting his spirit in you and what that means. Because what you're going to learn is what God will declare in his word is what he wanted us to understand is to show us that his relationship with you is not conditional and it's not temporary. And we're gonna look at how his relationship is actually unconditional and it's everlasting. And the Holy Spirit is the key for us to make all that happen. Look at these verses, and I want you to see this. And we're going to look through them, and then we're going to talk about it. Look through two. Now it is God who makes us both, us and you, stand firm in Christ. He anointed us and set is, I want you to notice this word, his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. What's that word? Guaranteeing what is to come. And so what you see in this verse is God saying, hey, when I put my spirit in you, that my, that my spirit, my presence was a seal, something you cannot break, a guarantee that you can count on this no matter what of this ownership or this relationship that I have in your life forever and ever and ever. Are you starting to see the principle here of what the Holy Spirit designed to do? Now I want to read another verse and we're going to see this. And you were also included in Christ. I want you to see this commonality of understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with your performance. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, in other words, when you placed your faith in Jesus, notice this, you were marked in him with a, what's that word again? A seal, something that cannot be break. So once again, you give your life to Jesus. God sends his spirit in you. And as he moves in, it is in essence a seal. The promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit. There's that word again. What's that word? It's a guarantee. It cannot be broken. God cannot lie. Of our inheritance until the day of redemption. Of those who are God's possession. You can use the word ownership, right? The same thing to the praise of his glory. And so as you look at these verses, what you see is, is that God said, I wanted to do something when I moved in you. And when you gave your life to me and I took my spirit and he moved inside of you, that part of that role of the Holy Spirit, like we looked at the gifts, we looked at the authority, we looked at the power, but another part of this reason I moved in that we often don't talk about is this, is that I wanted him to become a seal of ownership. Now, let me define this real quick because I want us, this is actually very beautiful. First of all, when we hear the word ownership, it can have a negative meaning, right? Because we can think of the idea of a slavery and nobody wants to be a slave and that's awful. But that's not what he's saying. Don't think slavery, listen to this, think adoption. Because we need to understand what the concept of what is being talked about here. You see, what God is saying is, if you've ever been adopted or you've ever adopted someone or know someone, what something powerful happens is before this moment, what takes place is this person, this child, does not have a father or a mother. They're in a system. They're without. They're an orphan. But then when a parent or a, if someone comes in and goes, I choose you, I want to adopt you, the moment that you sign that name on that, the judge goes, that child is yours, what happens? In essence, if you will, you own that child. What does that mean? It means that child bears your name. 
that mean that child is, is yours to care for, to love. That child gets access to the inheritance, to your last name, to everything that you are. You will, you will lay your life down for that child. You care for them. See, ownership isn't in this slavery. You gotta think childlike. And what I want us to see this picture of what is God saying is that when the Holy Spirit moved in, in essence, it was my way of saying you're mine. Like, you're my child, you're my son, you're my daughter. By the way, you're going to be an heir one day with your brother Jesus up into, into the heavenlies. You're going to be an heir to everything that I have. You're going to bear my name. I'm going to protect you and love you. I want, it's God's way of saying you're mine forever and ever and ever. And God says, my Holy Spirit was my covenant with you when I moved in to say, hey, you're mine. You are mine. And the second part of this is the word I want you to see is seal. Now, what is a seal? Well, a seal is something that can't be broken. In fact, in the understand the context of the ancient world, oftentimes the Caesars or the kings, if they had something, whether it was a treasure or whatever it would be, they would have a ring with a signet on it, and they would actually seal it with a form of wax, and that was a way of saying, whatever is in there is mine, and no one and nothing can break that seal punishable by death. Now, here's why I want us to see this. Please, please, please get this. What is God saying? God says, when I moved in, here's what I did. I made a covenant with you that cannot be broken. That you will be my son and you'll be my daughter forever and ever and ever. And when I put my spirit in, it was like this deposit guaranteeing that forever and ever and ever, you will be my son, you will be my daughter, I will be your father. And listen to this. And there's nothing that you can do to break that. I want you to hear, like, like, like those, when you got saved and you gave your life to Jesus, you did it through this faith, not your works. In the same way, there was nothing that you did other than place your faith and trust in God to be adopted. God's saying there's nothing you can do to ever change being my son or my daughter. And when I moved in, what I did with you is say to you, it's the covenant and commitment that I'm making with you that, listen to this, is unconditional. It's not dependent on your performance, that no matter what you do, I will never leave you. In fact, look at these verses. I want you to see this. I want you to see this because I want you to understand the relationship. We have done such a bad job in religion, making it all seem like, well, when you get it right, God loves you, but you don't get it right. He's like, well, maybe I'm not. And so I want us to understand what the scriptures say of how powerful of a thing that God did by moving in you and what that actually means. It's almost like putting a ring on our fingers going, no matter what, I will never break this covenant. It's for everlasting covenant. In fact, look at what you see this in the scriptures. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, okay, what does that mean? It's eternal. No matter what, neither angels nor demons, nothing spiritual, neither the present nor the future, what you're doing in the present or the past or whatever you might mess up, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate, break the seal of us, of the love of God that is in Christ Jesus in our Lord. Do you understand what he's saying? I'm committed to you through the good times and the bad times. When you get it right, and when you stayed at home and skipped church. <laughs> and you could have made it, for those of you that couldn't make it, I still love you, church at home. And, and if you don't, if you, you question this, there's this, I was thinking about this as I was reading, reading the scripture, is you gotta think of, of Peter, okay? So you wanna talk about God's unconditional commitment, how amazing, you know, God is, Jesus is, is, is that um, if you remember the, the night that Jesus was gonna go give his life on a cross, 
And he went to Peter, right? Peter, th this guy he spent three years doing all this stuff for, and, and it, it, he's literally going to a cross to die for Peter. Just like, I mean, he's like, hey, I'm gonna go lay my life down so, you know, all of your sin can be forgiven and you can live eternity with God. And, you know, I'm just gonna basically give my entire life to help you out. So could you, Peter, just pray for me? Just for a few minutes while I go down and battle with what I've got to wrestle with with me and my father and, and be able to do the right thing, even though I don't want to do the right thing because it's really hard. I still want to honor my father and I want to do it. Will you pray for me? And Peter's like, yeah, and then disobeyed, didn't he? And Jesus comes back, and Peter's like, couldn't you stay awake? No, no. Okay, I'm going to go back and pray. Would you now stay awake? And Peter, like, once again, disobeyed, fell asleep. Third time, Jesus comes back, still asleep. But, but that, it gets better. <laughs> he doesn't just disobey him directly. Um, he also betrays him, right? Because what happens in that moment is in that moment what takes place is the people come, they take Jesus away. He, Peter gets confused. He starts running away. He's hiding from a distance looking at what's happening. And what does he do? You can read it in the scripture. He calls down curses. He denies him three times. On the third time, he does it right in front of his face. He literally, you read it. He calls down curses saying, I don't even know who this Jesus is. And as he does it, Jesus turns and sees him. So Jesus, or Peter, is betraying Jesus to his face. And yet after all of that, Jesus walks up to him and creates this little fire with some fish on it in front of all the disciples. And says, hey, Peter, listen. Um, hey, do you love me? Well, you know, I don't really, you know, begins to bring up the, the, the struggle or the failure in the end of it. G Peter, once again, Jesus three times to Peter goes, hey, um, I want you to go take care of my sheep. Step into your role of leadership. Do what you were called to do. You're the rock. And, and once again, what does I say? It's, it's unconditional. See, I, say, I, want, I, want, I want us to understand what God is saying to you, this is so powerful. It means that even when you have those bad seasons, even when you ignore, even when you, that God has put this commitment, this covenant, if you will, the ring on the finger, but not the way we do that, right? Because we, we can often make that commitment. We'll break our commitment. But God doesn't break covenants or co commitments. And what he's saying to you is your mind. Your mind, nothing that you do can separate this love for you. In fact, listen to this. Um, what, what's that word say? Never will I leave you. One more time. Never will I forsake you. Do you see, see the promise that he is making to you? And I want us, as we're walking through this series, talking about all the things you should do and be filled and you need to let him lead and God wants to do these things in your life and all that's true and powerful. But I want us to understand the unconditional side of God's commitment to you. See, the Bible tells us that we can, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. You know that? Like, so, so we can actually do things to make him sad because he's not just a force. And we looked at this, right? He, you, this is a relationship. But just like people can make you sad by either ignoring you or, or doing something that hurts you or something you don't value, we can actually make the Holy Spirit sad. That's why we're told don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you know that we can quench the Holy Spirit? We looked at these verses. In other words, you, you can actually take all this goodness that God is doing in your life and you can ignore it and you can quench it and put it out and not experience the power and the authority uh, of God in your life because you choose sin over him. You, you can make that choice. You, you, can, um, you can push the Holy Spirit aside. Go, you're not important in my life right now. I'm busy building a career, doing other things. I don't wanna, I'm not gonna seek you. You can ignore this relationship that God has with you. And lastly, you can fight the Holy Spirit. I shared last week of how I was at times struggled with that, that we all fight the Holy Spirit sometimes because he wants us to do what we don't want to do. You can do all of those things. And, and what's so amazing about God is, it's not that there aren't consequences to that, but what's so amazing about God is that even though you do all these things, God says, I'm, I, I, but I'll never leave you. <laughs> because my, my love for you, my covenant to you, my relationship is unconditional. 
unconditional, and it's unbreakable. In fact, what I want you to understand about the Holy Spirit today, the first thing is this, is the Holy Spirit seals us to an unconditional, unbreakable, eternal relationship with God. And I want us, for those of you, listen, for those of you that are going through this life and you, you, you feel like, man, if I come to church today, man, the walls are gonna come in. No, they're not. No, they're not. Because when you gave your life to Jesus, listen to this, the Holy Spirit's just excited you've come back to him. Like, I, I want us to understand that, that what God is doing, that what, one of the things he wants to do in your life, the commitment he wants to make to you is when he moved in you, it's like putting a ring on your finger. God's saying, no matter what, through the good times and bad times, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It's God's way of saying, I'm not going anywhere. You, you're going to go places, times. You're going to drift, and you're going to make fail. But here's what I want you to do. No matter where you go, how far you run, all you got to do is turn back, and I'll be waiting for you. And I want us to understand this, because I think so often in life, there's so many of us that walk through this life, and when we don't measure up to everything in the Bible, and that happens, we begin to think God's angry at us and mad at us. He doesn't love us anymore. And that's one of the things I love about understanding, where God says, no, nothing can separate your love. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Not height, not choices, not, 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 nothing that you do can ever make you stop being my son or daughter. And I'm making this covenant and commitment with you. And it probably could be the only relationship on your entire existence that is completely independent of your performance. And the Holy Spirit is God's seal to make that a reality. That's the first thing I want you to understand about the Holy Spirit. The second thing I want you to understand about the Holy Spirit today is that the Holy Spirit in the Bible also is called your advocate. And I want us to look at this word real quick because I think this is a powerful word. What is an advocate? It's a person who supports a cause or policy. So imagine he's your personal support. He's a person who works for a cause or group. So in essence, you'll see that the Holy Spirit will work for you. And it's a person who argues for the cause of another person. Actually, in a legal way, it means a lawyer who takes your defense, by the way, even when you're guilty. And I want us to understand this because we, when, I, when I say the Holy Spirit is your advocate, well, look, I want you to understand what it is that God is saying, the role he plays in your life, that even when you're guilty, he will fight for you. He's not saying you can stay doing bad things. He's saying, even when you mess up, I'll fight for you. I will work for you. I'm here to support you. In fact, those of you who have ever been in a foster system or know anything about it, every foster child that is taken out of a home is given what's called an advocate. And that advocate's role is my, that main responsibility is to look out for the well-being of that child. How is the government doing? How is the housing doing? How is that family doing? Oh, by the way, and when that child might get in trouble or act out because of the struggles that they're facing in their life, how can I defend them and help them through that? And I want us to get this understanding because what the Bible tells us is that's the role the Holy Spirit plays in your life. Not a judge, not someone that condemns, but actually like a, your private attorney, and some of you might need one or two of those, right? <laughs> that pleads your case. Here, here's the verse, I want you to see this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, what's that word? advocate to help you and be with you. See the ever, forever? Like, see that? Like, it's eternal. It's not temporary. It's the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. Listen to this. But you know him, for he lives with you. The Holy Spirit's around. But what's this? And he will be in you. 
And so what is it? The Holy Spirit moved in you, not just to be a seal of a covenant God makes, that he's not going anywhere, but he wants to take on the role of your own personal advocate. It's like having literally a defense attorney like on retainer. Some of you have those, but I'm just saying, it's like having that, and isn't that crazy to me, listen to this, that God wants to be your defense attorney when you break his own rules. Now here's what's fascinating. Notice what Jesus said. He said another advocate. In other words, what's that mean? It means that Jesus is an advocate and that Jesus is partaking on the role of an advocate in people's lives and that God is gonna send someone else to be another advocate, not just Jesus, but actually God's spirit will be your advocate as you walk through this life and you mess up or you're weak and you need help. So what does Jesus do when he's an advocate? Well, we see this happen all the time in the scriptures, right? Peter messes up. We just talked about this. And, and at the end of all the mess ups, Peter stands before Jesus. Jesus is like, hey, go out and be the leader. Hey, we're gonna change your name from a pebble to a rock and, and you're gonna be strong and you're going to be all these things. What's he? He's advocating for Peter. And so what I want to do is I want to look at two stories where we see Jesus being an advocate for people. The reason why I want to tell you these stories is because what Jesus told you is in the exact same way another is the Holy Spirit is your personal advocate. And so I want to look at these stories as you walk through life feeling guilt and condemnation. What I want you to understand is that's not from the Holy Spirit. Now, conviction might be from the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. God will knock on your heart and say, hey, let's do this better. Absolutely. But what I want you to understand is the role that the Holy Spirit wants to play in your life is to be your own personal advocate, just like Jesus was and is an advocate. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at two stories. The first one is kind of really cool. In fact, it kind of blows your mind if you've never read this before. But many of you um, know that Jesus, right, didn't just come into existence when he was born in Bethlehem. That prior to that, he was actually living in heaven with, with God. He's the co-creator of the universe. He was part of what's called the heavenly council, which is kind of the place that rules all the universe. And so we get this incredible picture of Satan standing before Jesus, this is before he's born, right? Before he died on the cross, and God and this guilty person named Joshua who's being, if you will, trying to be, if you almost like tried in a court of law and Satan is making accusations of him. So this is kind of really crazy, I get that. But first of all, I think this is awesome because you get a little bit of an understanding of what's actually happening in the heavenly realms over and over again. And so I want you to see this because this is such a powerful picture of the role the Holy Spirit wants to play in your life. And once again, the role that Jesus plays in life. So pick up the story here. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. Now just, we don't have time to get into this, but the angel of the Lord was simply another reference for Jesus. Um, the angel, I'm not saying Jesus was an angel, he wasn't, but that word translating angel literally means messenger. So, so what, what, what was told in this story was, hey, the messenger of God, and you could, it's a whole other sermon on it and understand this, we can show you all the places in the scripture, which simply is another name for Jesus, by the way. So, so then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing next before the angel of the Lord, Jesus, and Satan standing at his right side. And notice what Satan's doing to, what's that word? To accuse him. By the way, did you know that's literally the definition of Satan? He's the accuser. That's what it means. That, that what he does day and night in the Bible is to accuse you. Do you ever have those thoughts in your mind? You're worthless. You're never going to amount to anything. You don't deserve God's love. You don't. That is literally Satan's role. Oh, by the way, also, when we go out there and are heavily critical and we condemn people on social media and do all this stuff, guess what we do? We do Satan's job for him. 
And so what gets this glimpse, I want you to see this. There's this high priest, Joshua. Jesus is standing there and Satan is bringing up accusations. Now listen to this. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire. And I want to understand another thing about this. First of all, when Satan making accusations against Joshua, his accusations are actually accurate. And this is so important to understand. If you miss this, you miss the whole idea of having an advocate. In other words, what Satan is doing is actually bringing up all the bad things that Joshua and the people have done and all the way they missed out on following the Lord. And this is so important to understand this. And so when he's standing there, he's bringing up actual things that people have done wrong. He's making accusations. He's not making them up, but he's actually bringing up those accusations. And I love God's response. He rebukes you, Satan. The Lord has chosen to take this person out. It's like a stick that was being consumed. I'm gonna pull him. I'm gonna give him grace and help him. In fact, notice this next part. Because I want you to see, remember Jesus is an advocate, which is the same way the Holy Spirit is. Notice what Jesus does to this guilty man standing before the judgment, being accused from everything that he has done. It's such a beautiful thing. Now, Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel, the angel of the Lord Jesus. So there he is. Imagine yourself. Imagine everything you've ever done wrong. Everything you've said, everything you've wanted to do but didn't do, not because it was wrong, but because you didn't want to get caught or pay the consequence. Imagine everything you've ever done wrong. It's exposed. There you are. There's Joshua. He was dressed in filthy clothes, stood before the angel of the Lord Jesus. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, I love what Jesus does, take off his filthy clothes. What is he doing? Cleanse him from all the things that are wrong. I'm going to give him grace. Then he said to Joshua, see, I've taken away your sin and I will put fine garments on you. And I love the imagery. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head um, and they clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. And I love this imagery because what, what Jesus was saying is, hey, I know you're guilty. I know done all these wrongs. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take all your guilt and all your shame and I'm gonna not let that be what everyone sees and defines you. I'm gonna put on this pure, fresh, brand new, white cleansed clothes to define who you are. I'm gonna be what? I'm gonna be your advocate. But why was he the advocate? Listen, even though he was guilty, do you see the principle? It wasn't that he stood before Jesus in, in the court of law. Oh, actually, you, you're innocent. No, even though you're not innocent, I will be, I'm not gonna defend your sin, but I'm gonna defend you. See the advocate? We, many of you know this story, right? The woman that was caught in adultery. And so this woman broke a covenant that God had actually made. So he, he, she broke the laws that Jesus gave. And she stood before this crowd that wanted to condemn her for that sin and that bad choice. And Jesus stood up. Once again, the, Jesus stood up in front of all these people and says, hey, you go ahead. Anyone's welcome to stone her as long as they've never sinned either. See what he's doing? He's defending her. Not her sin. He's defending her. And then Jesus kneels down, and we, we've heard uh, most scholars believe that as he, he began to write in the sand, and one by one those accusers left them. And that most scholars believe that he was actually writing the specific sins of each of these people, which is just, I would have loved to see. That would have been so embarrassing and brilliant, right? <laughs> and so once again, what is he doing? He's defending her. And after he stands up, I want you to see. I want you to understand the role of an advocate, right? And as he stands up, notice what he says to her. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? In other words, I've silenced your accusers. Has no one condemned you? No one, sir then neither do I condemn you, even though you broke the laws I gave. 
Now listen to the end. I love the end. Listen. But Jesus declared, now go and leave your life of sin. See, an advocate is not there to keep you in bondage to sin. The advocate's not there to go, oh, no, go, you just go ahead and keep doing those things and quenching the Holy Spirit. You just keep doing that and destroying your life. No, no, listen, your sin puts you in this place. But even though you're guilty, I'm actually going to defend you, but not to defend you so you can stay in that life, but actually to lift you out of that life and actually be and live the life that God created and designed you to live. You see the beauty, the beauty of an advocate? You see how much we need in our lives? This relationship of a God when we're imperfect and we're going this life messing up and God's like, hey, I'm here. I'm here not to condemn you, not to define you by this moment, but I'm actually there to be your defender when you need it. See, when do you need an advocate? You need an advocate when you mess up, right? Like when do you need a defense attorney? <laughs> when you did something stupid or wrong. And I just love the reality that Jesus is the one who actually gave the law that she broke. And there he is going, yeah, but I still love her. And I want to help her. And I don't want to judge her or condemn her. I actually want to help her to be set free and overcome and walk in the victory that I have for her. And I'm going to stand up in front of everyone and publicly defend this woman. Not her choices, but her. Because ultimately what I want for her is to leave her life of sin. I want to be the advocate in her life that speaks life when we need it. Do you understand the beauty of the Holy Spirit in your life? It's the one relationship that's not about your performance. It's God saying, hey, you guys are all messed up and perfect and weak and the flesh is weak. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna move my Holy Spirit in to be this unconditional covenant to, to know that no matter what happens and what you do, I'm not going anywhere. And then I'm gonna give you your own personal defense attorney to live with you day in and day out to be your advocate to help you in times of trouble. I was thinking a lot about this idea of an advocate and how valuable it is in your life. And I've even started thinking of the Holy Spirit's role in my life and how often he's corrected me and helped me and given me grace when I needed it and, and just that role in my life. And as I was thinking and reflecting on it, it made me think in many ways, it, it, it's very similar to the relationship that I play in my two boys' life. And I want us to understand this for a moment because to me, this helped. See, I, I love my, my sons, right? And no matter what they do, they'll always be my sons. They can make me sad, right? And they do. Um, they, they can push me aside, and at times they, they do. They can, they can quench, if you will, what I want. They can, they can actually um, not experience the life I really want for them by making bad. They can do all of those things, right? But in many ways, they'll always be my sons. And I'll always love them. And then what they do, they can't change that. And then I started thinking about the role of the advocate and how often in my life that's exactly what I play in their lives. That, that, that I'm always there looking out, listen to this, for their best interest, even when they mess up. And I started just thinking recently about all these little things and all these little moments in their life when they start to drift or do something, and how I'm there to speak life and help redirect them over and over again. By the way, this is our roles as moms and dads, just for the record. See, the other day, my, my son, my oldest son, uh, said something about my youngest son, Tommy, and he made the comment, and he says, Tommy's just always selfish. And I, and I stopped them, and I said, hey, this is an advocate, okay? Hey, buddy, um, use the word always selfish. I'm just curious. So was Tommy selfish when he took over $100 out of his piggy bank and just a couple months ago bought you uh, the Batmobile for $150 or whatever, $200 thing, whatever it was, and, and he bought all that for you? Um, was that selfish? No, 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 that wasn't selfish. 
So, so, so what you're saying is that he isn't always selfish, right? No. But, but, but Scotty, do you notice how you actually took one per, the one weakness, the one thing he did wrong, or the two things he's done wrong that were really wrong, and then all of a sudden you defined him by it and forgot all the good he does? Do you see what I'm saying? And then my, my youngest son, Tommy, says something. He goes, but Scotty never listens to me. You know, he's like, just like that, it never listens to me, like all this drama. And I go, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 Tommy, um, remember when you were afraid because the closet and, you know, there's the attic right there. And, and after five years of sleeping in the same area, you asked Scotty to switch and right away he switched to that side so you could feel safe. So, so he doesn't always not listen to you, right? And then I gather them together and say, hey, guess, guys, listen, you're learning something about human nature. Do you see how what happens when you saw a fault in someone, you started only seeing that fault and then you lost all of the good. And if you don't learn how to see the good even in the midst of the bad, once you get married and you see that fault, it can destroy your marriage. Hey, once, you, once you go ahead and you get into business, you're gonna be negative. Like you need to understand, it's gonna be really hard to enjoy relationships if you keep bringing the same thing in. And I want you to learn these tendencies. It's not always, it's sometimes. Don't stop seeing the good just because there's something bad. What am I doing? I'm being their advocate. Hey, when he gets in trouble at school, hey, buddy, listen, I know it's hard. Daddy got in trouble in school as well, and this was my struggle, but you still have to do it. Because if you learn, if you don't, if you quit now, you're gonna quit later. And let me just show you what will happen if you don't get an education, and what am I doing? I'm being their advocate. You see what I'm saying? Hey, you disobeyed me, and because you disobeyed me, there's a consequence that's gonna come here. But, but you know, I want you to know I'm doing this because I wanna train you. I'm not angry at you, I love you, but I just wanna, I wanna teach you that when you don't follow authority, there's consequences. And as we love to say in our family, good decisions get rewarded and bad decisions get consequences and you made a bad decisions and here's the consequence and I want to help you get this right and no you're not stupid I know you're struggling right now in school but I, I, I get it's really hard but you're so smart and you're so brilliant and you can do this and no matter what you know how hard it's going to be daddy will always be there we're going to help you I'll get you tutoring whatever it is and I started thinking to myself what am I in my boy's life I'm an advocate I'm for them and I'm constantly in their ears trying to help guide them and comfort them and it's gonna be okay and you're gonna make this and get back up if you fail, you can do it right this time. And I'm constantly in their life helping them. And I love the fact that what God is saying to us, that's exactly the role of the Holy Spirit. He is your comforter. He is your guide. He will convict you if you, you go off course. He's your advocate to defend you. He's the seal, the covenant to know that God will never leave you and never forsake you. He's the unconditional love that God gives you. And so as you wrap up this series, here's what I wanna challenge us. Why is the Holy Spirit so amazing? He gives us the transformational power that we need, the literal presence of God in you to change you from the inside out. He gives you spiritual authority over the enemy so you can defeat him. He gives you supernatural gifts that you can help navigate through this life and you can serve other people and your life can have such significance and meaning. He's a seal. He seals your relationship with God. And he's the one that's God saying, I'm not going anywhere. And he's designed to be your personal advocate, defense attorney when you mess up. Do you understand why Jesus says, it's better that I leave so the Holy Spirit can move into your life and he can be these things for you. And what is your role? What's the, the exact level that you do? You need to fill and follow. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead your life and you watch what God can do. I just challenge you guys, get to know the Holy Spirit. We've been going through the book, The God I Never Knew, by, by the way, Robert Morris. If you, if you ever wanna get to know him more, it's one of the best books on the Holy Spirit. It's the best I've ever read. There's a devotion right now. We've been walking through on a More of God page. If you've not started that, cultivate that relationship with him. 
because God gave you his spirit as one of the greatest gifts he will ever give you. But we have got to learn how to be filled and to follow and experience everything that God has for you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being our advocate. We need him. And thank you so much for sealing our relationship. God, you are so amazing. And I just pray that our Boynton campus at home and everyone here will begin to strive to cultivate more this relationship with the God in them. God, thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray.